You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 209 and 210 of reading and talking through the Bible in a year. Of course, we are currently engaged in what is referred to as the oral tradition, the story of God intermingling and interacting with our stories as a people of God through uh, the beauty and the mystery and the magicalness, the automagicness of podcasting. Yeah. I wonder what Paul would have thought of podcasting. He's oh, like, man. oh man, I would never have had to have left Antioch. <laughs> Tarsus. I could have stayed in Tarsus and just podcasted all the way to the end. And then hopefully it would have gotten to a king or something. But anyway, we're very pleased and thankful to God that we get to do this. And we're glad you're with us. Um, and right. I'm imagining someone's listening in the year 2089 because this is the oral tradition is going to last forever for generations to come. That'd be awesome. All right, I need you to play me in. Sorry, it's a sip of coffee. I was just thinking about the future. <laughs> so much hope. But let's go back and look at the story. We are in the thick of a amazing passage. Yeah. Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through chapter 6. I need to do a little more guitar because we're in the middle of the genealogies. Yes. we got to keep everyone awake. Yeah. Um, so we've been, again, just to kind of give some t- context, Chronicles oh, yeah. is written like a hundred years after the uh, Jews get back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, rebuild the city, and the chronicler is now like revisiting the history and kind of reconnecting everyone to their ancient uh, tribal connections. And right. It's the and, and the theological word diaspora, or the dispersion of God's people through exile, this is a big deal because he's mm. bringing back the remnant. Yes. And Chronicles specifically is being led by Levites, priests, mm-hmm. pe- temple workers who are um, beginning the story. That's why the genealogy is so important. Yeah. They're beginning the story like we are still the people of God even though, and I realize there's verses coming up mm-hmm. in Chronicles, even though we've had a serious breach in faith. Yes, and that that is something to look out for because that's what the chronicler is like uh, focusing on is we have suffered... Are the natural consequences for breaking the covenant yeah. with God? Like we've cheated. It's mm-hmm. like breaking the covenant of marriage. Like we've mm-hmm. cheated on God. We've gone whoring after other gods and yes. nations, and we got what we wanted, mm-hmm. which is complete separation from God and all that He's promised us. Yes. And then you realize, oh, that's not exactly what I want. Right. So Chronicles is like beautiful, but you have to understand that otherwise it's a bunch of crazy names. Right. Um, yeah, and they're just trying to reconnect everything to. Um, Proper worship yes, and what yeah. is proper worship. So they're even going to retell all the history and highlight the proper forms of worship. But I love that idea of proper worship because what distinguishes them from any other group on earth? Properly worshiping the worship the true that God. The God that has given them in the temple that God gave mm-hmm. them. Like God, and what distinguishes us from any other tribe or nation or people on earth is our commitment to Christ. Mm-hmm. Anyway. In Christ alone, yeah. In Christ alone. So, in chapter 4, verse 9, we're going through the descendants of the tribe of Judah, and we start off with a man named 
Jabez. Do you remember the prayer of Jabez, Matt? Uh, I remember the fallout of the prayer of Jabez. Whoa, fallout? What do you mean? Uh, I just remember in the Christian circles I was in, they was were... It early 2000s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were very against the um, use of this prayer because they were like, oh, it's leading to uh, wealth, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Yes. And, mis- and promising that God's only going to bless you, and if God doesn't bless you, uh, there's something wrong with you. Okay, so let me catch everyone up. You heard the back end... Mm-hmm. Of that, the front end was in Chronicles chapter four. Some clever guy, a real, I think he's a faithful pastor, found this little gem hidden in Chronicles. I mean, who's reading Chronicles? And it's uh, where his mother called him Jabez, saying, "Because I bore him in pain." You remember all the names reflected mm-hmm. what was going on. So you might get a, you might have a, a friend back then whose name is the the light switch is broken. And you're like, yeah. oh, so the light switch was broken when you were born? Yes. Well, yeah, Jabez, so Jabez's name, just so you know, means he gives pain. Wow. Yeah. So, hey, here comes he gives pain. Yeah, that's... You know what? I don't think the play date's going to work out between my son, like, God loves him. Yeah. With your son, he brings the pain. Yeah. Sounds like a wrestler. So uh, Jabez would be an awesome wrestling name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jabez, growing up, knowing this, praised this prayer... In chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. There's one. That you keep, uh, that your hand might be with me, so the presence of God, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. That's mm-hmm. the simple prayer of Jabez. Mm-hmm. And God granted what he asked. And so he was blessed. So this prayer, though, became a little book. I don't know if you ever saw the book. My dad gave it to me. Uh, yes, I The have. prayer of Jabez. And, and so it's like a great little prayer, but it did get... Um, turned into, I don't think for everybody, I think for most people it was like a nice idea and let's ask God to to bless us. But then the reaction was, this is health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And so then you kind of heard about, and I Mm -hmm. did too, like don't use the prayer of Jabez as a lucky charm. You know, you be responsible and do blah, 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 blah. But what we know reading through it today is this is really not about a lucky charm and this is not Mm -hmm. about uh, health, wealth, prosperity that God's going to just give you things for asking. This is about breaking generational curses put yes, on you. Definitely. And so when you are named and you come from a family that is known for bearing in pain, mm-hmm. bringing the pain, I see the prayer of Jabez as a wonderful example of prayer in breaking these things and saying, God, break the generational curse on me and give me the opposite of pain. Yeah. And God says, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? And, I love to do that. And this is something that God did with... Uh, his ancestors, like, like, so he would be super tied to this and understand some things because God was changing people's names all the time. The most uh, obvious one was Jacob, which means yes. deceiver, into Israel. Uh, Abraham, yeah, father of many. Sarah, the princess. Like, yeah. I mean, it goes on and on. And so, so God, so, he Saul knows, he knows God's already done that for people right. and changed their identity, and so he's just asking for it. Right. And he's going, God, I know you're the God of truth and life, and so I'm going to ask you to re-identify me. Yes, and, and, part, of that, and part of that re-identification is uh, God's presence, and with God's mm-hmm. presence comes blessing and protection. So use this prayer, but just use it to break. I think it's cool. We get to break who we were, born in sin, mm-hmm. into who we are now, children of God with new names. Um, and you look at, I mean, as we go into chapter 5, you look at guys like Reuben, 
Wait, 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 wait. I know, wait, wait, Simeon, wait, 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 wait. and I'm just trying to skip through some. Okay, you're right. Stop. Thanks for slowing me down. Sorry. Stop, 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 stop. All right, so through chapter four, we get um, a highlight of Caleb's line, just, be, just because Caleb was an important figure. Uh, he was faithful to God. He founded the city of uh, Bethlehem where David showed up. So he gets like a little highlight. Nice. Then we go to Simeon, and the reason we move to Simeon next is because of Simeon's relationship to Judah which Simeon was inherited land in the middle of Judah's territory yes. and eventually kind of just became part of Judah. Like th- over the years, they just kind of through intermarriage and they're in the middle of it. So the line of Simeon kind of gets a little fuzzy Absorbed, yeah. and kind of just becomes part of Judah. But they kept their tribal identity. Mm-hmm. The other thing right in that section is the um, Jewish folks are coming back into Jerusalem as potters and craftsmen. They're no longer nomadic. Like, before they go out, Mm -hmm. most of them are uh, nomadic herdsmen. Like, that's how they started, right? And so it's interesting. They're coming back. They lived in the king's service. And that's just a little thing. But Simeon... And then I love the idea, too, that Simeon, um, they actually killed off... They finished off... Like, Saul had the... Was supposed to kill off all the Amalekites, and he didn't. And so in the end of Simeon's little thing, it was like, they finished off the Amalekites that fled away from Saul. <laughs> right. Like, oh, cool. Good for them. Uh, then we move into descendants of Reuben. Reuben, I would say, I'm trying to get the structure too, is listed next because... He's the first. He's the first. He was technically the firstborn. Right. But also we're going to go through... Um, we're now hitting everyone who was on the east side of the Jordan. So yes. we're going to run through Reuben, they call that the Gad, trans- and half-tribe of Manasseh. The Transjordan area. Yeah, so remember they were on the east side. They didn't go into the Promised Land. And because of that, they were the first to go into exile. And so, so the chronicler is saying, okay, Reuben was the firstborn of Israel. He lost the birthright, though, for defiling uh, Jacob's... Uh, hand servant. Yeah, like the concubine, concubine Bilhah. Yeah. And uh, so he lost that, but here's his clans and everything. But they end up going into exile. Well, it, the Chronicler... Uh, it, early. They're giving kind of a... Uh, reminding us. It's kind of nice to yeah. be reminded of the story. So Reuben lost it, even though he was mm-hmm. firstborn, reminding the people but of God's judgment but also his salvation mm-hmm. and he keeps him around and then there's a little reference to you know they had a victory they had a bunch of victories but then they stopped trusting the lord yes and because of that they uh went into exile yeah and so then he goes on to the tribe half tribe of manasseh well, it does gad next oh gad yeah gad is short rubenites the gadites and the half tribe manasseh mm-hmm. and they quick do a little thing on on gad and again he's like going like these guys were experts on experts of there were like big time warriors, especially yeah. Gad, and uh, but this their own strength was not enough to save them. And that's the whole mm-hmm. idea with these tribes. I mean, they were blessed, they were big, they were strong. Mm-hmm. But when you trust in your own strength, it's like the waves of the ocean. That's the world. It'll just keep beating you down, and you must cry out for God to be your rock. You know, for mm-hmm. your bulkhead to protect you. And when you don't, you'll just get run down by. Uh, the non-stop, unforgiving current and waves of the world. Yeah, and then in the half-tribe of Manasseh, they 
do another thing where it's like, again, they were mighty warriors. But in verse 25, they broke faith with the God of their fathers and whored after the gods of the peoples of the land whom the God had destroyed before them. Yeah. So God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pol, king of Assyria, and took them into exile. So this is going to tie into our Romans passage. But mm-hmm. so God starts to use Assyria mm-hmm. to discipline his chosen Children. means of saving the world. Who, again, God did go to Assyria through Jonah. Right. He went to Nineveh, he which was the capital. He did go to capital, prepare them, and they responded and they brilliantly. Responded way better than... So, again, the chronicler is tying this idea that God is interacting with his kids for good or for bad, right. for, uh, for discipline. Well, uh, he's interacting, mm-hmm. and you should be pleased when God's interacting yes. with you. And so, but again, they broke the faith. There's and a breach in the contract. And I like the, the term breach, though, is because mm-hmm. it's military. It's, you're talking about a breach in the wall, yeah. your protection. There's been a breach. Someone got in, and now this is our weakest point. So the breach in faith. Well, now chapter six gets to Levi. We go to Levi. Where the chronicler will spend three times the amount of time describing, um, because again, the chronicler is coming at it through the house of David and to substantiate and reconnect to the reality of this people, which has to be through the temple and mm-hmm. through the proper worship of God. So Levi was a tribe that kept their tribal identity along with Judah after the exile and returning. And he's trying to, again, reconnect uh, the priests and all the other Levitical uh, clans mm-hmm. and to their past to kind of uh, legitimize and reinforce that these people are really the ones who are supposed to take care of the temple, to serve at the temple, and to lead the people of God into proper worship. Right. And so we get this uh, pretty intense uh, recap of the lineage um, the one, a couple cool things that jump out to me is David sets up, um, a group of Levites for service of song in the house of the Lord. And their whole, like, so part of these families, their whole order was just to sing and create music in the temple of the Lord. And one of the families is Heman, son of Joel, son of Samuel. Interesting. And so I love that Samuel, yeah. this seer, uh, amazing prophet of God and kind of priest to the people who was in the line of, well, he was a Kohathite. He wasn't in the line of Aaron, but he was pretty close. Um, that his lineage continues in a service of creating music. Yeah. Well, the Levites, too, I'm reminded, as, as chapter 6 is lengthy, um, going through all of the, the genealogy, but the Levites, if you remember from like the, the book of Numbers, they served as a substitute for mm-hmm. the firstborn of every Israelite woman. So like the... Man. Firstborn? Um, so oh, yeah, of every... Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. The firstborn right. of yeah. every Israelite. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. But the... Um, that the tribute that should be given to a king was you offer up your firstborn. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it was just in sacrifice, like Molech and these false gods, you would offer up your firstborn, mm-hmm. or you offer them up to the military in the service of the king. And in its place, I, just, I thought this was a good time to remember, God set up the Levites, where the priests, 
you instead, the, this tribe would be the firstborn right. representative of all of Israel. So that's why you give them pasture land. You give them, they work in the temple of God. They are representing, they are the in-between. Instead mm-hmm. of your firstborn, we have this group of, of priests, of Levites, of temple workers. Yeah, and they're scattered throughout the tribes of Israel, and they are to serve the tribes of Israel. And you give a tithe, mm-hmm. you give land, you take care. Um, I just think it's good to remember that every time, because um, remember, that's the role of Christ, you know? Down, yeah. and it, so they're reminding us of that in this um, genealogy, and then ultimately of Christ, who is the high priest, Mm-hmm. And his sacrifice is superior, and he lives forever and serves in the heavenly temple, and Jesus is our refuge. It's, it's really great. But you start to see, um, even in Chronicles, even in the genealogy, you're seeing that God cares for his people. He's keeping remnants. He's keeping his word. He's not turning on us and taking our sons like Pharaoh. He's mm-hmm. not, or even Herod. Um, and... You have all sorts of variety in the worship of God. I don't know. I also am, I mean, we'll, we'll be covering this more in the next chapters to come, but just, you start to wonder in our culture, like kind of what's the deal with worship and church and, you know, why, why do we sing and why do we have these things? Mm-hmm. And when you read the, when you actually read the scriptures, you realize, oh, because God says, this is where you're going to meet me. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet me in the places where we sing songs, psalms, we read the word of God. We encourage one another. We provide for one another. This mm-hmm. is where I promise to meet you. Mm-hmm. That is the distinction. And then you get to tell the whole world about it. Um, and whether they receive it or not is not important. I mean, that's important to God, and he'll use it. But here's where you're anchored. Yeah. And even coming out of great and horrendous sin, God will welcome you back. Right. Cool. Well, that's Chronicles today, right? Yeah, it's Chronicles. I gotta admit, that was longer than I thought it was gonna be. We had more to say about just a bunch of names. Let's go to the New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 11, verse 11 through chapter 12. Romans, Romans, Romans. Again, this book written to... um, well, we obviously know it's written to Jews and Gentiles. Probably, it sounds like mostly Gentiles, right? Probably, yeah. Because uh, he just gets into it in chapter 11, the remnant of Israel. Now, before I start even talking about this, these chapters, if read in isolation, have given birth to some crazy ideas, mm-hmm. historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideas about what God's doing with Jewish people and... Right. And what God's doing, you know, and, and um, hopefully, as if you've been listening, we're trying to break down, the argument is actually very simple and straightforward, right? Yeah, which is? The argument is, if you put it in the context, Paul is saying the great mystery, mm-hmm. the mystery is, see, what we, to have a mystery, you got to have some questions. You're right. And the questions have been, since Israel and Judah went into exile, and there's this little remnant left, how in the world are they going to take over the world and be God's people mm-hmm. in glory? Like, how is it going to happen? Yes. Because God's people keep sinning mm-hmm. and God's been quiet. And so Paul is saying the great mystery is, here's how God's going to fulfill his promise to make a kingdom of priests mm-hmm. and bring forth up. It's through Christ, right? But that wasn't the mystery. That was always the promise. Mm-hmm. The mystery is how are you going to do it with disobedient people? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to save Gentiles. Right. That's the mystery. But then the next question is, so are Gentiles better than Jews? Right. No. Are Jews better than Gentiles? No. Mm-hmm. You're all been newly created. Yes. And that's so in that light, when you read about the remnant of Israel, Paul has to start by saying, has God then rejected Israel? Oh, 11-11, I'm sorry. Yeah, so we talked about that. Yeah, so now he's going, okay. So the question, what is the question? Do I stumble? So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, their trespass, um, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. So the question is, again, um, is God messing with us? Right. And the answer is no. No. I call this the... um, the, the old switcheroo. Okay. Paul's saying there's been a little switcheroo. Okay. Just to make it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. You all, Jews, were going to be a conduit for the light of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you were, even in your fallenness, yeah. in your brokenness, God came through you. Jesus yes. came through and he came to you and many of you were saved. Mm-hmm. But the old switcheroo is, the let's just use Jonah. The Assyrians now yeah. are a light to the world. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to you. you. Right. Yes. So the jealousy, now to the Jews, it's a little bit jealous, like, oh, but we're the people of God and we have the history of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. To the rest of the world, it's like, wait, what is this life? Mm-hmm. But now God, Paul is saying, now that God is using the Gentiles mm-hmm. to reach out to you. And so then and the question... the rest of the world. Yeah. So it's the old switcheroo. Jews were to lead the rebellious Gentiles to the Lord. They failed, but God didn't. So now Gentiles will lead the rebellious Jews to the Lord. We might fail, but God won't. And then there's this like key verse where it's like, all this failure of us has resulted in riches for the world and riches for Gentiles. And then the full goal is full inclusion. Mm-hmm. It's full inclusion. Yeah. That's what Paul is saying. It's you are a new people. You are children of the promise, not children of the law. Right. Right. So as I kind of read this passage, the, the thing I got was... Salvation, the blessing that God has, yes. is for everyone. It's for the world. Right. The, the Israelites were the ones who were originally uh, set up to be the priests of the world and announce it. They have hit a, a wall, basically. Right. And now it's like, sweet, cool. Now there's going to be Gentiles included in to help spread the message throughout the rest of the world. Right. We're now at their spillover. And we're now going out to the rest of the world. It's for everyone. Who wants it? Right. Who wants to be in? It's kind of like you're on a great soccer team. Mm -hmm. You always have this one rival team that you go back and forth with the championship. Their main player then you pick up. But you hate their main player. Mm -hmm. Well, he's on your team now. Let's figure out how to win together. Right. Yeah. That's (laughs) a a good point. You know what I mean? It's just like... You're now all... Like, Gentiles, you're not greater than Jews. Jews, you're not greater than Gentiles. Mm -hmm. It's whoever wants to be here is here. You are now a unified group being used to bless the rest of the world. So to get out of this section, because there's so much more we can mm-hmm. say, we'll just go to the metaphor Paul gives with the olive tree. Yes. So apparently uh, people knew you could graft in new branches, cut off the dead ones, graft in new ones, and you could get fruit from this tree yeah. for a millennium is what mm-hmm. they're saying. And so the issue though... so. What Paul is saying is the issue is not Jew or Gentile. The Mm -hmm. issue is belief or unbelief. 
It is open to all who believe. It is open to all who believe. And Christ has made it available to all. Mm -hmm. So all who will believe. That is it. And so Paul's whole point is he can graft in whoever and whatever he wants. Right. And so um, the question, okay, so the question that arises from these that I'll have, I've had often in my life is, uh, so what about Jewish people? Do they go to heaven? People ask, will ask me that. Do Jewish people go to heaven? Because everyone has Jewish friends and we care for them and we're like, oh, and what we're trying to answer is, can you go to heaven without believing in Jesus? Jesus. Yeah. And the answer is, First of all, I don't decide who goes to heaven, Mm -hmm. but from what God has revealed to us, what he has put on humanity and come to us, what he has died for us is in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So the answer is submission to Jesus and belief. It's not about if you're Jewish or not. Yeah. It's actually, and for our our Jewish friends, it's a great advantage that they're Jewish. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm, I'm open for God to do whatever in their lives. But if the question comes down to who is saved, according to Paul, it's not about... Jewish or Gentile, mm-hmm. it's about can you uh, repent mm-hmm. and trust in Jesus to cover your sins, period. Right. But we don't look down on anybody. It's all a gracious gift. And the thing I got out of this time reading it is Paul is careful to say, Gentiles, you've been grafted into a, a tremendous blessed root system. And to the Jews, he says, look, some of you were cut off because you're dead branches, but God can actually graft dead branches onto this tree. Yes. He can resurrect dead branches. Now, that's impossible, Mm -hmm. but not with God. And then he even says, and Gentiles, just because you've been grafted in, don't get cocky. Right. Don't think, oh, we're now, again, don't don't rely on your lineage for salvation. Right. Rely on Christ, because as easily as you were grafted in, you can be grafted out. Well, and that's the answer to the question, are Jewish people saved? The question is, how are you saved? Yeah. And do you understand how you're saved? Mm-hmm. You're saved by uh, believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confessing him with your mouth. I mean, that, you're, that's how you're saved. So it's not different for anybody else based on history or their well-intentioned or their mm-hmm. good work ethic or their, lo- you know I mean? It's not by works. We know this. And this is what Paul's saying. But this is the question you ask yourself every day, right. Lord, am I saved? I trust you. Yeah. And then you receive mm-hmm. assurance. And of course you're saved. I love you. So this is the mystery, though, that all Israel are the children of promise. Right. And we're not the judges. But we're only halfway through today's reading. We have to get to a glorious passage. Oh, man. Okay, no. But here we chapter go. Chapter 12. So here we go. So chapter 12 is... So therefore... So now that we are all understanding that we all have salvation through Christ... We are now all working together through Christ. Let's actually be united to one another with sacrifice, humility, using and sharing our gifts with one another. That's what we're doing. It actually is like... Let's now live. Coming back from exile. Okay, we're back. We have the experiences of being gone. Mm -hmm. So whenever you see therefore, you always ask, what's it there for? Mm -hmm. So the therefore is there saying enough about the differences between Jew and Gentile. Therefore... I think Paul is saying, and he is, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying God is creating his kingdom of priests. Yes. And Jews and Gentiles, you are now the priests. Yes. And your, your uh, spiritual worship, you give your body, your soul, your mind, your will in conformity to Christ. Mm-hmm. He is your king. Mm-hmm. 
And he is your new tribe. He is yes. your people. And so he says, don't be conformed to the world. I think, he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right. Because the world has physical tribes they're from. Mm-hmm. And by those physical tribes, you get protection. You get honor. You get dishonor. And he's like, no, no, no. Renew your mind. You are of the tribe of Christ that you might be able to discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable mm-hmm. and perfect. You want to be perfect? Because remember, we were talking about at this time period, the resurgence of Judaism yes. is to be pure. Right. You want to be perfect and you want to know the will of God? Renew your mind. You're under Christ now. And, yeah. and everybody who is under Christ is your brother. Yes. You got to break down all these generational bondage mm-hmm. of tribal lines in the sand. And it's really hard. But the beauty is it's all under the mercy of God. And we have, the, we have the opportunity to know the mind, the will, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then he continues, now, again, oh, all who are under Christ have been given gifts of grace. And, I mean, that's the renewed mind. Like, the yeah. grace is I'm taking away the chaff, like all mm-hmm. of your sin and your brokenness, and I'm looking at and engaging you in the faith that I've planted there. Right. And if you're under Christ, it doesn't matter. Again, if you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter who your parents were. You are all, you all have gifts. You all have something to offer. You said it. You um, all are important. You already said it. I got to say it again. But that's why in, in verses 3 through really 8, he's like, don't think of yourself more highly than, other, mm-hmm. than anybody else. But be sober in judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Like he even allows for me to be humble to a 15-year-old who's reading the Bible for the first time, so, hey, you're operating to the measure of faith that you have right now. We're so, all the same. Okay, so I had always read this as I have to constantly be in a state of thinking everyone else is better than me. No. That's what I've always read it as. You're right. But rereading it and re- understanding it's, no, just don't think you're better than anyone else. Recognize that everyone else has as much to give that you do. Right. You all have access to an amazing pool you of gifts. You all have gifts, and you all are uh, valuable to one another and to Christ. Right. And, and, and so I, recognize that value as you come alongside one another, and you're going to be working alongside each of your brothers and sisters in Christ. No, it's perfect because it, over in, the, in many years I've studied spiritual gifts. What are the spiritual gifts? Mm-hmm. And Paul always has a different list. Yeah. There's seven. There's 12. There's... And the thing that you start to see with Paul is he's not limiting spiritual gifts. He's saying some of the, the obvious ones, mm-hmm. the broad ones, and that's why his lists will change according to the book. Because, and what I've come to realize is we have an infinite amount of gifts that are in us. Like we're like oh, a little yeah, totally. acorn that can turn into a giant oak tree mm-hmm. and produce a lot of branches. It's like we have way more than we think because we are connected and united to God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So don't limit yourself, but recognize everybody now has access in Christ. And so don't think you're better. I love that. And then he does say, here's some of the gifts. Prophecy in proportion to your faith. Service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So like, there are lanes to get into. Like, yeah. Be a person who gives. Be a person who... Uh, serves, be, but they aren't limited to say, oh, I'm, I'm a person who just gives money. Right. No, no, no. Do it with cheerfulness and do it great, but open up to, you might be a person who of exhortation. Right. And I think within Christ, we're eternal. 
And yeah. if we have, yeah, uh, an eternity's worth of gifts. Right. That we get to open up. Every mm-hmm. day is Christmas, baby. Yeah. Uh, but it requires, as soon as you get proud mm-hmm. and you think you've mastered your one gift and you start looking down at others, you're unable to open more gifts. Right. And it, it, Christmas quickly turns into a funeral. Yeah, and so in the rest of the chapter 12, again, he's breaking down, uh, okay, this is what loving one another looks like. This is all done through love. And so to be part of a family, you have to love each other. I know. And so he just very simply is like, be genuine. Dude, that line, just run that through your little filter every morning where he says, let love be genuine. Wake up in the morning and go, God, uh, I ask that you would help my love to be genuine. Yeah. Love for whoever I'm with. Love for the people I'm driving around in traffic. Love for the people at my job. Love for my yeah. genuine, like real, not just check it in. But he goes on. I mean, abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I want to memorize this officially, where he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not... Uh, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I love this. Rejoice in hope. Mm-hmm. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, I would, I would say be aware and care. Be aware and care. Yeah, because the temptation is to make that list and then judge myself according to yeah. it. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying this is open to Jew and Gentile. This is describing who we actually are. It's mm-hmm. descriptive, not prescriptive. Yes. So it's not um, prescribing to us what we ought to do to be saved or anything. Yeah. It's describing who we will be under with, Christ, under Christ mm-hmm. Jew or Gentile. Yeah. And it's so exciting to go like, man, I can be a person who's, who's rejoicing in hope. And I can see how God started to do that in me. And Yeah, and you can be a person who's aware of the needs of your brothers and sisters around you. And actually care about them. Open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not a a, a prescriptive. You better love. Then, you better you better beat me in showing honor. You know, it's it's this is who you're gonna be. And then he ends with uh, persecution, yeah. revenge. He, all he, the... he ends with the flip side of look. Be remember, you're to bless the world. Right. This is who you are. You're not to judge the world. You're to bless it. And so, yes, you're going to come across people who hate you. You're going to come across people who disagree with you. You're going to come across people that you normally have had enmity with. But you are going to be a blessing to those people, and God will do whatever he wants with them. Dude, consider that Paul is writing this. I can't remember if it's before or after he's in prison, but it doesn't matter. Throughout all of his missionary journeys, you know who hates him? You know who hates him and is always trying to shut him down and always trying to drive him? I mean, they've tried to kill him. Mobs of angry Jewish folks. Mm-hmm. So imagine, even though you're not imprisoned yet, yes. you have mobs of angry Jewish folks yeah, who have he's been imprisoned. A you've times you've had to point. escape through a basket mm-hmm. you thought were dead, and then you have the spirit of God in you. It's kind of the nerve to say, "Bless those who persecute." Yeah, you. I mean, Rejoice. it's good to think about his. I mean, he even says, um, "Live peaceably with all." Like, don't. And then the, the best part is. Uh, don't seek your revenge. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to prove those, those guys wrong and just like move on, like dust off your sandals. And then he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And then God will take care of it. You keep pressing into who you are now with the mind of Christ. But it's specific to 
don't try and get back at the Jewish people who are trying to shut down your church. Mm-hmm. And Jews, don't get, try to get back at the Gentiles who are scared about what you're doing with Christianity now. Mm-hmm. Or you're always leery of the new Gentiles who are trusting Christ. In fact, whoever, whatever enemies you have, bless them, and you'll put heaping burning coals on their head. You know, I mean... He, this oh, is yeah, the, that was an interesting uh, recognizing. Again, that's always been a weird... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, yeah. give him a drink. I mean, but it's it, very it's, Jesus words. And it's to push them towards repentance and conversion. Yes. That's what, it's to encourage them. It's not to like get back at them. I've always been, I've always heard it kind of twisted. To well, be we like, missed the point, right? Like, oh, it's a backhanded way to get back at someone. That's going to make them angrier. No, it's to make them feel repentance. Right. Well, and, the, to, and to go, oh, I want to be part of that family. Yes. And the last line says it all in today's reading. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm -hmm. So when I think about the people who have wronged me or accused me, the natural tendency is I want them to know who I really am and then feel bad about Mm -hmm. it. The spiritual way and what God leads us into is to say, I'm going to overcome their evil with good. How? I pray that Jesus, you would save them. I pray you'd give them what they're trying to steal from me. You bless them. You provide for them so they don't have to steal from me. But I want them to know you because if they know you, first of all, they'll cease to be my enemy. And they'll know who they really are in Christ. And they'll stop trying to steal from me. Mm -hmm. And so Paul's thing is heat burning coals. Yeah, they might feel bad, but the end goal is repentance. I love Mm -hmm. it. I mean, that makes so much more sense. We're not trying to get our own vengeance. No. And it doesn't do me any good for my enemy to go, oh, I've really been a jerk. That doesn't do me any good. What does me good is they go, praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, you're my brother now. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's be a family. Well, that's uh, Romans 11 and 12. I mean, such good verses and so much there. Again, Romans is a really great book. Thank you, God, for giving us that. And I have a, you know, it's the idea of being transformed to live according to this this description of who we are as God's people. So this little prayer, train my heart in hope and my hand in mercy and harmony with Jesus' words and deeds. Amen. Where are we in the Psalms today, Matt? Our Psalm reading for today will be Psalm 89, verses 19 through 29. Of old, you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said... I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever, and his throne as the days of the heavens. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.